0: If you are a startup, rapid growth is probably high on your list of objectives, but if your startup happens to be a ride-sharing company, growth is more than an objective. It is a requirement for survival, which means knowing how to grow and how to deal with all the challenges startups typically face when managing rapid growth has to be a core competency. That's why we were really excited to talk to Lyft's VP of Operations, Woody Hartman, about that company's growth story. Woody is the person whose mission was to take Lyft's operations from those of a startup to those of a growth company. I'm Randy Kronk, a volunteer with the MIT Enterprise Forum of Cambridge. When we spoke with Woody for this podcast, I began by asking him about his own story at Lyft.
1: It actually all started for me. Five years ago, I was working in L.A. doing uh, one of the things I've dreamed about my whole life, which was to be a Disney Imagineer. So I was finally working at Disney, helping uh, work on the theme parks for them. And uh, a friend of mine actually reached out. Uh, he was working in venture capital at the time, and he shared with me that one of the companies that they were looking to invest in uh, was in the transportation space. They had this sort of silly pink mustache on the front of their cars and uh, was looking for a general manager in Los Angeles. I, of course, you know, thought, man, i Spent my whole life wanting to build theme parks and and sort of bring joy to kids and to families. What am I going to do with a transportation company that's uh, got pink mustaches on their cars? So I I, I passed on the offer, but he didn't didn't leave it at that and uh, eventually persuaded me to come up to San Francisco and uh, meet the founders of this company of Lyft, John and Logan, on a Saturday. So Saturday morning, I walk in there um, sort of in my normal business interview attire to find the founders in gym clothes and uh in a garage here in the South of Market neighborhood and uh sat down first with Logan uh who is now our CEO and he started telling me about his vision of uh of really transforming cities uh through transportation he shared with me the stat that we now talk a lot about about the average vehicle is only used 4% of the time, and, and yet it is the asset around which our cities are most designed, um, and, and the huge opportunity we have to sort of transform the way we live. As engineer myself, I was pretty excited to think about um, how we could really utilize that more effectively and, and sort of fix the economics uh, around transportation. Um, and also as a kid who played a lot of Sin City, I kind of loved the idea of um, reshaping cities. Um, but man, what really caught fire for me was when I went and talked to John next. And John comes from the Cornell Hotel School and is extremely passionate about hospitality. And he said, yes, transforming cities is extremely important, and I care about that, too, but uh, I really want to make sure that transportation becomes more than just getting from point A to point B, that it becomes about the experience in between. We spend a huge amount of time in our cars um, and in transit, uh, and it's such a shame that for many of us that is an experience to be minimized and not one to be enjoyed. Uh, and As we started to share examples of how that could come to life, the Imagineer in me really took hold. Uh, I started to imagine, wow, what if we got that time back and found it as a way to connect with people or to pursue our passions or to find enjoyment and entertainment. And, uh, And when those things came together, and I talked to drivers that afternoon and talked to some of the early passengers, and everyone told me that, by golly this thing was real. That that Lyft was amazingly delightful for, for drivers and passengers, and they were really connecting, and they were really using their city differently. Um, I realized that I was staring down the opportunity to do something transformational, uh, and so within a few weeks, I left my dream job at Disney and was busy trying to launch Lyft in Los Angeles and get things going.
0: What, what's a VP of operations?
1: A VP of operations nowadays means that I am uh, one of the folks most responsible for uh, managing Lyft's rapid growth around the country and of course doing that against the financial targets that we have. So I think a lot about launching new markets and growing the markets that we have, bringing new product lines, uh, to light, uh, and ultimately connecting riders and passengers to build a successful marketplace.
0: So when you started Lyft obviously was, was just a startup and, but it's not so much anymore. What's that transition been like? I know it's a struggle for many new companies.
1: My friends ask me all
0: the time, What's Lyft like now?
1: Is it? Do you still enjoy it? How can it possibly be the same company that you joined? And it's, they're right on some level. Uh, I joined Lyft, and there were 35 people here, and now there's more than 2,600 people uh, uh, directly involved as employees of the company. And uh, and so in many ways, the, the company has changed. Uh, our impact has grown. Uh, obviously, uh, you know the, the the size of our business in, in so many ways. But what I what keeps me here uh, and, and what I enjoy so much about this company is that our heart has not changed. John and Logan, who founded this company, are still the leaders of the company today, and their initial vision of uh transforming cities, improving people's lives with the world's best transportation, um, and ultimately delivering hospitality along the way is very much still at the heart of everything we do and and a big part of even the day to day experience of working out with.
0: We all know who Lyft's biggest rival is. So what is Lyft's position in the market, and how is it different?
1: You know, Lyft has always been a different kind of company. Um, I saw that in the beginning, and it attracted me to Lyft, uh, and it's still so true today. We, I think the simplest way to describe that is we really believe in treating everyone better. We treat our drivers better. We treat our passengers better, and we treat our employees better. Um, on the driver side, we've been first to market with driver innovations like Express Drives, where folks who maybe didn't want to drive with their own vehicle um, could get – rent a vehicle from Lyft to drive on the platform. Um, we were first to market with an innovation like Express Pay, uh where drivers can get paid out immediately, and, and obviously they love that. Um, more than 50% of our payments now go through that tool. Um, and very proud that we were the first platform to offer tipping, and we've collected nearly $350 million. Uh, for drivers uh, in tips now. So we've sort of always had in our DNA uh, uh, a strong belief in, in treating drivers better and that that ultimately creates better experiences for passengers. And so we're also incredibly focused on what do passengers want? And they tell us they want uh, a reliable ride, they want a quick and affordable ride, a safe ride, and they want a great driver. Um, and so we are extremely focused on delivering those things for our platform all the time. But, you know, I think Every company uh, on some level is trying to do right by their customers. I think what's always differentiated Lyft is ultimately we think that starts by building a better company, and we're a very values-driven organization. Uh, I think that really came to light over the last year where more and more people learned about who we are as a company and the way we treat employees, the fact that we have, you know, when you when the elevator is open uh, at, at one of Lyft's uh, largest buildings, you're greeted by a big sign that says, Be Yourself. And that type of culture that's really encouraged folks to bring their authenticity, their individuality, and ultimately their empathy um, is part of what enabled us to also then build the platform that treats drivers and passengers better.
0: Can you give us some growth numbers and rates? Yeah,
1: it's been a really exciting uh, 12 months for us. I mean, I'm fortunate enough that in my five years here, I've seen sort of always a, a really nice exponential curve. but. Uh, every, every 12 months of that is more exciting than the last. We more than doubled our rides last year, uh, which is fantastic. We also grew from covering about 50% of the U.S. population to nearly 95%. Uh, so, so many more people have access to ride sharing now than ever did in the past. And, uh, and a big milestone for us was, uh, was launching our first international city in Toronto in December. Uh, and that's going extremely well as well. So, Really exciting to see uh, that kind of growth. I mean, we did um, more than 375 million rides last year, and you can imagine that the run rate we're on now is much larger than that. So excited to see the growth continue.
0: After the company launched in San Francisco, you were responsible for building Lyft's presence in L.A. What did you learn from that experience, and how did you apply that lesson for bringing Lyft to other cities?
1: When I joined Lyft and, and got to work launching and growing Los Angeles, we only operated in San Francisco at the time. And the first thing I learned and the first thing that I helped really train the company on was appreciating that which is different and unique about every city. When you have the opportunity to travel uh, to many cities, you quickly realize that transportation is a very local thing. Some cities have great public transit, some cities have big freeways, some, you know, you're on side streets or the traffic is terrible or weather is very disruptive. And so, you know, San Francisco and Los Angeles, while similar in in some ways, are also very different transit cities. And so that was one of the first things I learned was we really needed to adapt our transportation solutions to each city in order to really provide the world's best transportation. And, and so that's a playbook that we then followed of sort of every city we'd get to, we'd
0: study what was different about it and
1: really try to roll something out that best fit that city.
0: There's been a lot of debate, uh, as I'm sure you know, about the benefits of the so-called gig economy, especially when it comes to drivers working for ride sharing companies. What's your take?
1: Yeah, we, I, I've had the good fortune of talking to so many drivers uh, throughout my time at Lyft. Sometimes, in one-on-one conversations, sometimes in the surveys that we run and the other sort of large feedback um, tools that we have, and the thing that drivers say more than anything else is that they really appreciate the flexibility that Lyft provides. They love that they can um, choose to take a week off without having to ask permission from their from a boss. Uh, you know, if they want to spend time with their family or Conversely, if they want to work extra hard and make some extra money um, to buy more presents for for the holidays, then they also don't have to, you know, beg and plead for more hours. Um, they have the total flexibility to create their schedule and even where they work. And as a result, um, you know, that's, that's I think, a real benefit of the gig economy and, and for, of Lyft specifically um, that folks appreciate. I think it's also worth mentioning, and we just um, conducted some um uh, business impact studies ourselves and learned through that through an independent third party that, you know, Lyft in 2017 created more than $2 billion in extra spending in local economies. And of course, a huge portion of that flowed back directly to drivers, but is also, you know, helping uh, so many other members of the community get access to transit and uh, in, in ways that they couldn't in the past. So um, from my seat, I, I've seen huge benefits uh, to the so-called gig economy.
0: What does it mean to cultivate local driver communities, and why do it?
1: Community has always been a huge part of Lyft, and it's one of the things that initially attracted me to it. I still remember in those early days getting to meet a number of drivers, and they told me, "Hey, I, you know, maybe work in a job that I didn't much care for before, or I felt kind of isolated in my home, uh, working on projects by myself, and now I have the opportunity to." not just connect with passengers while I'm giving rides all day, um, but also connect with other drivers because we're having this shared experience uh, that, that all of us can talk about. And so throughout this history, we've we invested a lot in, in really supporting that community, whether that's events for drivers. You know, almost every city has what we call a uh, which is uh, a celebration of the day that Lyft launched in that city. And lots of drivers come out, often if it's at a summery time of year, it's a big picnic for drivers to get together and bring their families and and really, you know, reflect on, on uh, the community that they're building together uh, in their cities. Um, And so uh, and and there's lots of other tools as well, you know, on on certainly social media and and other platforms. So ultimately, I think we all know that so much of life is about connecting with other people, um, and Lyft has uh, sort of naturally always been in a position to support that, and I think as a community, we try to go above and beyond um, to really enable that.
0: So would you connect the dots between your communities, your driver's communities, and your success as a business?
1: Yes, absolutely. Drivers will regularly tell, especially in the early days when we were still a startup and, you know, we don't get everything right. Sometimes we'd make a mistake or there'd be a a bug in the app or or a small outage or things. Um, They'd often tell us, you know what, we understand we're willing to overlook those things because ultimately we feel like we're part of a community here. We feel like... Um, List is a family to us, both because the drivers because the passengers, but also the company that that you 're real that you 're approachable. We know people from the company and uh and because we feel connected to that um we 're willing to overlook the the little you know hiccups that happen along the way for a growing company
0: so how do you see autonomous vehicles impacting your business or do you
1: we absolutely think autonomous is is going to be a huge, uh, hugely important innovation for transportation. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we're all, not just Lyft, but hopefully, you know, lots and lots of people uh, around the world are excited about the opportunity to have even more flexibility in in the time we spend uh, traveling. Uh, to be able to have, you know, vehicles customized for the things we're trying to do. But, of course, the safety benefits, ultimately, the benefits to our cities as we get to reappropriate parking spaces and turn them into parks and and all these other things. So, very excited about Autonomous. But I think it's worth pointing out that it's our vision at Lyft that um, it was really going to be a hybrid uh, model for basically as long as we can proceed. Um, where there will need to be autonomous vehicles and, um, you know, human-driven vehicles. Uh, and that's, you know, not without getting into too many of the details, you know, the reality is that um, there are huge fluctuations in demand um, all the time, whether some of those are planned, like New Year's Eve, where you know a lot of people are going to be requesting rides uh, when the ball drops, um, to unplanned events like a rainstorm that suddenly lots of folks who are planning to bike or walk to work uh, suddenly need to take a, a ride. And and when we do our modeling, what we see is that um, it's gonna be very, very hard for autonomous vehicles, even if the technology was capable of serving all those use cases, um, it's gonna be very hard for the economics of autonomous to work uh, to provide that peak capacity. And so we think it's gonna be essential for networks like ours to provide that hybrid model so that autonomous vehicles can be the baseline of, of supply um, that are sort of there operating um, you know, day in and day out, and then we use human drivers to sort of fill um, fill those gaps where there's lots of other times where we need more drivers on the roads than just the autonomous supply that equals.
0: One of your innovations is Lyft's general management model or general manager model. What is that exactly?
1: General managers
0: are basically
1: CEOs for their cities. Uh, one of the earlier observations we had about this business was one that, each city is actually very unique, that the transit needs are different, that the, the demand patterns of when people take rides uh, is different, where they go is different. So we saw value in, in really having someone that was an expert in that market. On top of that, we saw that um, actually the markets are pretty self-contained. Most people take most of their rides within the same market. And so as we thought about how do we scale this company and really have the level of focus and on the experience of passengers and drivers in every market that we create sort of a mini CEO for, for each uh, major area of this country. And that's what we've done. We have um, about 20 general managers and 20 sort of junior general managers that we call market managers um, fanned out across the United States. Um, and each of those have responsibility for growing our business, um, achieving our financial goals. but. Perhaps most importantly, um, delivering the experience for passengers and drivers—that uh, as a company, uh, we believe is so important.
0: So, Woody, your enthusiasm for Lyft is obvious. Let me just ask you: When you pitch Lyft to riders and to drivers, what do you say? What I love to tell
1: my friends or or you know new people to to Lyft and to ride sharing is, you know, we all have a choice about um, the companies we're going to trust with our dollars, with our time, in many cases, even with our safety. And I tell them that if you get into the details, Lyft is the company you want to trust with those things. We've proven through our actions for, you know, five and a half, six years now, that we're a company that leads with our values, not only as, as a company, but in the choices we make for the features we deliver, for uh, the operations we run, um, that we're the company that, you know, whether it's just the, the you know, basics of, the company that you need to trust to have a ride when you need it, where you need it, at the price that you expect it. We're the company you can trust for that. All the way up to, you know, the company that's doing right by its drivers, by allowing things like tipping and, and, and providing, you know, uh, opportunities for drivers to be successful. Along that entire spectrum, I think we're the companies to choose. And it was really fun to watch that in 2017, uh, I think a lot of people were introduced to that in a way that they hadn't been before.
0: Thanks, Woody. I think we'll have to leave it there for today.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking with you.